friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris and I'm your host and I'm really pleased that you're with me uh, today. We've been looking at Jesus the Master Builder. We've looked uh, in recent weeks uh, about a couple of pictures and images that Jesus has given. He talked about uh, wise and foolish builders building on sand and rock. Last week we looked at the image of the eye of the needle. It's harder for a wealthy man to get uh, into heaven than it is to get a uh, uh, camel through the eye of a needle. And we looked at security and a false sense of security and how Jesus wants to be the foundation stone of our lives to give us true security. Now today we're going to look at another teaching of Jesus, another parable that will help us think through how do we build back better. When life hits a storm, when we have had a collapse, when we've had trouble, when we've had a storm that's left us feeling like we're surrounded by rubble, we have to go back to basics and look at the foundations of what we have been building. Jesus says that there's two builders, a wise and foolish builder, those that build on sand, those that build on rock. We have to go back and look at what have I been building on? Is this a secure as it could be. You could say, well, Chris, you know, how would you know about this? You know, life's been easy for you. And the truth of it is, is I don't really want to talk too much about myself and what I've gone through on this podcast because some of it is way too personal. But there has been things that we have gone through, Becky and I, that have been incredibly challenging. When I was 30, Becky was rushed into hospital, just as one example, rushed into hospital. Uh, turned out she had internal bleeding and that if they'd not operated then, she would have been dead from that internal bleeding. It was an ectopic pregnancy uh, and she ended up uh, significantly poorly. And uh, that was quite a traumatic time. We've had um, friends of the family pass away uh, from cancer at a very young age. Um, we've experienced uh, bullying in the workplace. Uh, we, we've been through it. We've been surrounded by rubble. And you have to ask the question in those seasons when you just don't want to get out of bed, you know, what is going on here? What am I putting my foundation in? What am I finding my security in? So what am I going to build? What am I going to build from? So we've been looking at how Jesus needs to be the foundation of our life, the foundation of our finances, our options, our unions, our needs, our desires, our attention, our time, our interests, orientation, direction that we're going, and nationality, like where you find your securities in the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of earth. So we look at a parable now that Jesus teaches that's about what are you building with what you have got. So... This is Luke 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replies, Man, who appointed me to be a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. They told this parable of the ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my 
surplus, excess. This is where he's storing the excess. This is more than he everly, everly needs. He's never going to need this amount, but he's going to store up his excess. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be uh, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Ouch. Here we have a man who has great excess and he decides to use it to build up his own empire. His own empire so that he can sit back, take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. I have got enough excess now to retire and put my feet up essentially so i'm going to unpack a few lines in here verse 13 is an interesting one teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me divide that's half and half to divide it just a little explanation in jewish culture the younger brother would get a third of the inheritance the older brother would get two-thirds of the inheritance does that sound fair well he doesn't think it is he wants half and half but let me explain why it's not fair the older brother would get two-thirds of the inheritance because it was his job to now be the patriarch of the family. It was his job to care for the health needs of the family, the marital needs of the family. It was his job to care for the elderly in the family. If there was a, an aunt, extended family member, an aunt who was now widowed, you were to take her in to become a part of your household. It was all about community life. You were to expand your home so that widows and the orphans could move in with you. You had more as the elder brother because there was a responsibility you had over justice, mercy and compassion for your family. You were to care for your family. In fact, if a member of your family got into debt, it was your responsibility to pay that debt. Therefore, you had more resources because you were expected to uh, care for your family. So when the young man says, I want the inheritance to be divided. Essentially, this is greed right here. He wants more without the responsibility. That's essentially what is going on here. The younger brother wants more money without the uh, need to care for his family, to take the responsibility. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. Here we have a story about greed. Verse 15 then says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Actually, the word kinds there can be translated as subtleties. Be careful against all the different kinds of subtleties of greed that are out there. Have you ever uh, cooked for a group of people and you've been the last one to serve and you've made sure you've got the larger piece of lasagna? All kinds of greed. What about when you go to the uh, supermarket or the mall and there's one of those people stood there with a little tray with freebies and they're handing out just a, you know, a, a little piece of donut or a bit of cake and you walk by and you, you take a piece and then you say, I'm just going to take a second piece for my friend who's down there. Uh, not for you, not for your friend. That's two pieces for you. And then you do a second lap around and maybe pick up a third piece as well. There's many subtleties on greed do you ever think to yourself i have got nine different um items of clothing or uh, nine different uh, outfits of clothing i need a different pair of shoes to match each of those 
items. There are many subtleties to greed. Jesus says, be on your guard because greed comes in many, many forms. Hoarding, belief it's actually for somebody else that you're getting this for, belief that you need more than you actually do, belief that you deserve it more than them. Many subtleties in greed. Jesus says, be on your guard. And then verse 15, part B says this, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Whoa! Did anybody ever tell you that? Anybody say to you that, that life is not built upon a consistency of possessions? Look, we live in a secularist, consumeristic society that is built upon the abundance of possessions. How do we know that? What has sprung up in the last 30 years but these big yellow buildings that will store the things that you can't fit into your home? Don't worry if you own too much stuff. Come and put it in long-term storage. We live in a society that behaves and believes it is good to have an abundance of possessions. Many of us have loft spaces in our homes and they're rammed full of stuff. Our closets are filled full of stuff. Shoes that we have never even worn. You may have a growing collection of something and you are hoarding them. You don't need them, but you're hoarding them and you make excuses because there are many subtleties to greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I was reading a book recently called Consumerism and Teenagers. <laughs> now that was a riveting read right there. Consumerism and Teenagers. It says this, the West is based upon a consumerism philosophy which is based upon a greed-centered economy. Uh, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying of goods into a ritual, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. We need things consumed fast, worn out, burnt up and replaced and discarded at an ever-accelerating rate. This is the world that we live in. Consume, consume, burn out quick because I'm going to need the bigger. How often have you thought to yourself, I just wish my TV would die so I could get a bigger one. I wish it would die. I wish it would stop working. I wish my mobile phone would stop working so I can get another one. We live in the West, Western society, where we live upon a consumerism philosophy based upon a greed-centered economy. This is what influences our world view. It influences how well or wealthy you think you are doing. Do you know you live in the, if you live in uh, a Western society and you have a home, a roof over your head and a TV, on, TV in your home, you're in the top cent third wealthiest in the world. Yet we look up at the David Beckhams, the big wealthy um, uh, Elon Musks, and we say, well, we're not like them. I've not got wealth like them. I'm, I'm, I'm poor compared to them. Yeah, but you are wealthy compared to the 97% that are behind you. You are wealthier than you like to think.
Verse uh, 17 then says, he thought to himself. And in verse 19, it says, I'll say to myself. Interesting. Didn't we say earlier on that it was life, Jewish life was all about family and community and bringing in the widow and the orphan. You were to have families and extended families. Yet here we have a man that's thinking to himself. You see, his wealth here has isolated him. He's no family. He's no community. He's totally and utterly isolated. We are created to live in community and this man lives on his own. Friends, it's worse than that. It is worse than that. Let me just tell you this. In chapter 10 of the book of Luke, we're told that Jesus is visiting his friends Mary and Martha that live in Bethany. Bethany is the last known location for Jesus. He's somewhere around that region when he's doing this teaching. Bethany was where the poor end of town lived. Bethany had people there who were cleaners in the city of Jerusalem and they would travel in to do their jobs. Uh, there were people, servants for Jerusalem that lived out in places like Bethany. It was a poor bit of town. We know that during the time of Jesus, this region was going through famines. It was, it was very poor. Taxation was high, both temple tax and tax to Caesar was high. People could not afford to live. They were starving to death. Surrounding those regions, people were struggling to make ends meet. And when they came to tax them, they couldn't afford it. And they were handing over animals, cattle, donkeys. It's even known that they couldn't afford it, that they would give over their own daughters. Get that. There are people so poor, they can't afford tax. So they were handing over their own children. That's how bad it was. And into that place, Jesus tells a story about a man that has so much wealth, it's grotesque. So much wealth, he's retiring early and he's building bigger barns. And to make himself feel better, he's distanced himself from the problems around him. He has closed down to the world so that he can sit back, relax and enjoy life. Can I just say this for a moment? Let's imply this story to your life. Are you stockpiling whilst at the same time ignoring the poverty that's around you? What are you building? Are you building a life that resources the world, plays its part in community, make sure others aren't in poverty, or are you building for yourself for the future? Part A, part B. If you live in the UK, let me challenge us with this for a moment. I'm recording this podcast, and at this moment in time, India has the worst cases of COVID, and people are dying because there is not enough oxygen. When I am recording this, the UK's numbers of COVID are down and we are stockpiling oxygen just in case. We have the oxygen, they are starving from it, they need it, but yet we hold on to it just in case there's another COVID spike. In other words, are we building British 
bonds to make our island nation safe whilst others are dying from starvation of something that we have. I would love to argue that we in England are farmers storing up our grain whilst others starve to death. See, the meaning of the parable of the rich fool is this. As we plan for the future, we must leave room for generosity. If we focus on a stronger personal security, we don't see the needs around us. We're nothing but rich fools. We're nothing but rich fools. There has to be a place for generosity within building up security to care for the widows and the orphans. We need resources to be like the patriarch so that we can bring in the widows and the orphans. We can care for those in need. We can um, pay for the debts of family members. We need to be able to build up resources so that we can do that, like the rich uh, older brother, the wealthier older brother that got a larger share. We need to be able to do that whilst at the same time be honest with ourselves about being generous and compassionate towards those that don't have. What are you going to build back post-pandemic? Are you going to build up your security again for another rainy day? Or are you going to use the resources that you have to help those who do not have? Now, you may say, I don't have much money, Chris. You know, what are your resources? What are your resources? It may not be cash, but it may be knowledge, skills, time, energy, your attention. What is your personal resources? What do you know that others don't know that you could share? What other resources do you have? What are your possessions, your home, your car, transportation, finances, the books that you own, the computers that you own, the tools that you have? Now, if you're somebody who owns a lawnmower, you know to yourself that there are always people that come asking if they can borrow your lawnmower. Um, there's always tools that people need to borrow. And did I know that when I bought a sander, more people were going to use that sander than I was ever going to use that sander? Because it's a resource that I have that others can borrow. What are your resources? See, Jesus invites us out of a me-centered world into an us-centered world. What this man is building is for his own benefit. And Jesus calls us to build for his kingdom benefit jesus is calling us out of an i-centered world to a we-centered world let me end with this jeremiah 22 15 says this jeremiah is writing to the king of judah does it make you a king to have more and more cedar do not your father have food and drink he did what was right and just, so all went well for him. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes and your heart are set on dishonest gain, on shedding of innocent blood, on oppression and extortion. Jeremiah is speaking to the king and he says, look, your, your dad, he was wealthy. But he defended the cause of the widow and the needy and the orphan. He cared for those that needed caring for. But you, you are cladding your walls of your kingdom with dark cedar wood. 
You are building up your palace whilst not caring for the widows and the orphans. The call of a disciple of Jesus is to do both. Build up a security for our lives so that we can care for others. The young man wanted more than a third, but he didn't want the responsibility of caring for the family. The wealth that we have, the resources that we have are given to us for the purposes of resourcing others. That is what we are called to as disciples of Jesus. So I want to ask you this question just as I finish. What are you investing into? What is it that you have that you are investing into? Who are you building for? Who are you building for? What are you stockpiling and building up? Who is it for? Be honest with yourself. And what is going to be your legacy? What is going to be your legacy? Now, this man's legacy, well, this man's legacy is that he was a fool and in that night he died and he had no family and friends for his inheritance to go to. So the inheritance would have gone a bit to Jerusalem and more of it would have gone to the government. What he'd built up did not eradicate poverty. It went to line the pockets of the Roman Empire. What is going to be your legacy? What are you going to do with the resources that you have got to make a difference in the world? What do you want to be known for? And what do you want to ha have done when you eventually leave this world? What is your legacy? And friends, therefore, post-pandemic world, if you're making Jesus your firm foundation, if you're taking the teachings of Jesus as the wisdom that you are building your life upon, you then need to ask the question, what am I building up? What is it my structural building up is going to be like? What am I making here? What's my legacy going to be? Is it for my own empire or is it to eradicate poverty? Is it going to be to help the widows and the orphans and those in need what is it i'm investing into am i investing into eternal things or am i investing into netflix things and that's the challenge of the teaching of jesus what are you going to build back post pandemic what different choices are you going to make so you live a healthier and more jesus centered life it's challenge it's meant to be challenging it's meant to be challenging i'm just going to pray for us as i finish heavenly father uh, we want to build back better we want to implement the teachings of jesus we want to live a me uh, an us centered world not a me centered world god form the foundations of our lives that we can build back wisely and with godly attributes and we want to build back in such a way that we expand your kingdom and not ours and we pray that in the powerful name of jesus christ and all the saints said amen until next time friends grace and peace